Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. You know, I felt uh, today to be led to share with you about the church. Uh, I spoke to you about this uh, uh, several months ago, maybe even a year or so ago now, but uh, and I didn't even look at those notes to see what those said, so uh, this is not the same message. But I just really felt like I needed to t- talk to you today about the church. And you know, the church is actually people. It's not the building. We all know that. And the church is just so important. And we're li- living in some interesting days, right? We are living in some interesting days. I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. But you know, I feel bad for people who don't have a church family. I, I really do. They-, they don't know what they're missing. They feel like they have it all together, and they feel like that they don't need the church, but they do need the church. And the church is so vitally important in all of our lives, and I love church. I, I get a kick out of church. I, I, I like everything about it. I, like, I love the church, and I love our church. I love church. I, I, I just love everything about church. And I want you to be excited about your church. And try to get other people involved into church. You know, the answer to every problem in today's world is Jesus Christ. And next comes the church. Amen. And the devil is afraid of Jesus Christ, and he's also afraid of the church. And one thing that he knows is that God is very good at resurrecting the dead. Amen. He is very good at resurrecting the dead, and he has... God, the Father, has resurrected the Son. He not only resurrected the Son, but He's also the bridegroom. Amen? Jesus is the bridegroom. It's okay to respond this morning. We're going to get on a roll here this morning. I want you to enjoy this this morning. Come on, let's be with me here. The church is vitally important. And God resurrected the bridegroom, and He's good at resurrecting the dead. And many churches are dead. But don't you know he's good at resurrecting everything? And I believe he's going to resurrect the church to to a level that we have never seen before. We're going to begin to see the bridegroom moving and doing and operating. We're going to begin to see the bride doing things that we've never seen before. And it's going to be exciting, and I want you to be a part of it. Be a part of what the bride is supposed to be. Because you know he's coming back for a church that is spotless. It is white as snow. That's hard to imagine when you look at the church today, but God can resurrect, and He can transform, and He can do whatever He wants to do, and He's going to do some marvelous things with the church, and I believe He's going to do some marvelous things with this church. Hallelujah. I love the church, and Ephesians 5 instructs husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. So I love my wife, And I love the church, the people of God. Hallelujah. I love everything about church life, and I just really feel bad for people who don't. Don't don't you love carry-ins? Don't you you love, I I love worship. I, I, I love our main service. I love Sunday school. I love life groups. I love youth group. I love our children's ministry. I love carry-ins. I love Harmony House. I love fellowship. I love hallelujah. 
I mean, we're doing some fantastic things here. And be involved. Some of you are not involved with a life group. I want to see you get involved in a life group because that's where you get to uh, rub elbows with people where you don't normally get to on a Sunday morning. Get involved in a life group. And, and we, we just have a good time. I, I, I love our women's group. I love our, our men's group. Uh, I, I just love the camaraderie that we have, the, the helping, the serving. And I love carry-ins. You know, even our tenderloin supper, it, it, it's our church fellowship reaching out to our community and letting them know that there's someone who cares about them, that loves them, and is inviting them in. And my concern is, do, do you notice how there are churches around, especially in small little communities, that are closing their doors? That's very concerning to me. And we're not in competition with those places. I want to see those places thrive and survive. In fact, we went to help one church to try to, to survive. I would like to help them all if we could. I don't like seeing churches close their doors. Here's my concern. When the doors close in a community, does the community even notice? The church should be so vitally important to communities that if they are struggling, the community knows it. And the community suffers for it whenever the church suffers. We need to be so effective in our community that if, if our doors were to close, the community would really be struggling. I think this community is thriving because we are thriving. And I want to see us continue to thrive and to grow and to be everything that we're supposed to be as the bride of Christ. Can anybody say an amen? amen. Hallelujah. But we have to, we have to individually be who Christ wants us to be. I need to know who Christ is calling me to be and to fulfill that calling. You know, my, my, my calling is never going to change. The platform is changing. My platform for my calling is changing. And at the end of August, it's going to change again. But praise God, the, plat the platform may change, but the calling is always the same. The calling on your life is still the same as it always has been. There's a calling on your life. And for this church to thrive, you need to be fulfilling your calling. Are you doing what God has called you to do? A lot of people don't have any idea what God's called them to do. Well, I know one thing, you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love people. If you begin to do that, you'll begin to sense what your, what your calling is. You'll begin to have a, a hunger and a thirst for a certain area of your life. You'll begin to have a desire to want to do certain things. And you will begin to notice there's a blessing in certain areas on things that you do. You'll begin to notice that, wow, it just seems like I, I, I have a, a, an extra ability in that particular area. So begin to operate in that and do everything that you can to be who you need to be. And then next comes our families. If every family in the body of Christ will be who we are supposed to be, then when we come together corporately, this church will be a powerful church. It starts with you individually and then carry it over to your family. Your family needs to be powerful. Your, pa your family needs to be successful. Your family needs to be, uh, be in the things of God and seeing things happen uh, on a regular basis. There needs to be testimony coming from your family. There needs to be good things happening within your family that people look and say, you know, there's something different about you guys. 
there, there, there's, there's, a, there's a blessing upon you. God is in your midst. How do I get myself there? How do I get my family there? Because he wants all of us there. He's no respecter of persons. He wants to bless each and every one of you. But you've got to get yourself into the things of God and you've got to get your family into the things of God. I don't ask my, my family if they want to serve God. I'm Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to serve him. I'm telling you, I don't care how big you are, you're going to serve him. <laughs> you're going to date my, my granddaughter, you're going to serve the Lord. You hear that, Jeffrey? That's a loving challenge. It really is. Both those guys could whip me over time and time again. But it doesn't matter. They're going to serve the Lord. I demand that my family serve the Lord. You do the same. You do the same. And you're going to see this church thrive because of what you're doing individually and what you're doing in your family. That is not even in my notes. Praise the Lord. We are living in interesting times. And, and I think the role of the local church here in these end times is so vitally important. And people who are not in the church, who are not tied to a, a church, I really believe they're going to have a tremendous struggle. I think it's going to be, I, I really think that we have some days ahead of us like we've never seen. Who would ever have thought that, uh, we got a phone call yesterday, Jackie's sister and her husband were here. They, they went home, they live over in Ohio, and she called uh, Jackie and told her they just got gas for $4.96. <laughs> in Ohio, they bought gas for $4.96. Who ever thought we'd be excited about getting gas for $4.96? We have some interesting days ahead of us. We, none of us know what lies ahead. But I'll tell you what, I think there's some pretty good challenges coming ahead. But trust in the Lord, as our song said this morning. In Sunday school this morning, how many of you, I asked the Sunday school class, and I'm asking you right now, how many of you can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Raise your hand. The very first verse, the very first word says trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that's not part of your heart. That's not just whatever part you want to give. As trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. That's where we get in trouble. We've got to try to figure it out. We've got to try to, to I, I want to know how all this thing go, comes together. I've got to know how all this works. No, lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. We're blessed. Can you, can you acknowledge him in the blessings that you have? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Isn't that a great promise? That's something every one of us ought to be living on. We ought to be trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and leaning not upon our own understanding. Hallelujah. We think we have some tough times ahead, but man, the church is going to be victorious. And you and I individually, we will be victorious because you realize we don't have to abide by the rules of this world. We abide by a higher calling, by a higher power. And that's Scripture. 
We abide by what the Word of God says, not by the Word of Biden or, or anybody else in Washington. We abide by the Word of God, and we will be successful. We will be victorious. And the devil is a liar, and he is going to be defeated. And you need to make that determination in your family, in your cell, in your individual life, and see Christ magnified. Hallelujah. We're living in an interesting time. Many of you know and can quote Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you can quote Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I have, uh, declares the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Man, that's just a wonderful promise. Let's read that again. For I know the plans I have for you. You know, some people aren't convinced of that. Some people aren't convinced that the Lord even knows where they're at. Some people say, God, do you even know who I am? Do you even know where I'm at? He knows the plans. He knows you very well. He knew you before you was in your mother's womb. He knows the plans that he has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have us. Amen? Nothing wrong... In fact, he wants you to prosper. Why does he want you to prosper? So that you can not only be blessed, but you can be a blessing. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, many of us know that, but are you aware of the context in which that was written? Here's the context. Let's look at 4, 5, and 6. Let's back up a few verses. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. You see what he's you see the context in which this is in? Jerusalem had been taken into Babylon in captivity. He is saying this to a people who are in captivity and are going to be in captivity for several years. What is he saying? Is he saying just grovel? Just feel bad about what situation you're in? You know, pout about it? He said, no. He said, you go into that situation, you go into those cities, and you build you build your homes, you take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, and I want you to establish communities, even in the midst of being in captivity. You know, all of us were one time in captivity, amen? Before Christ, we were all in captivity. But he said, even in the midst of whatever problems you are having, I want you to build families, I want you to, to build houses, I want you to have gardens, and enjoy all of that in the midst of your captivity. And then he goes to verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Isn't that cool? So he's saying to us today, I don't care what situation you are in. It may be tough. It may be hard. You may not, be, have, you may not have the job that you would like to have. You may not even have a job. You may, your health may not be the best. Regardless of what it is, I want you to prosper 
and I want you to flourish, and I'm going to make sure that that happens if you will trust in me. In the midst of problems, in the midst of captivity, he is saying, I have plans for you. And that is plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I have a hope and a future for your life. Will you get involved in that? Now, in this verse, it doesn't say anything about the synagogue. It doesn't say anything about church. But we know that it's, it's implied. It's there. Because wh- why is that? Because there was a synagogue in every, in every community. The church, how many of you can remember whenever the church was what everything revolved around? I remember whenever I was a kid, everything revolved around church. We weren't even, we didn't even hardly attend church. We were what they call creasters. We were there for Christmas and Easter. And that's about all we were involved. But, but really, the community revolved around church. Church night was off limits for sports years ago. It really was. Hard to imagine today. We set aside that for church. Church life is what things revolved around. I would sure like to see us get back to that again, to where life in general revolves around the local church and the strength of the local church. We need to be building families. We need to be building homes. We need to be building gardens. We, be, we need to be showing the world that we have a different life than what they have and our lifestyle is a good one. Hallelujah. I think there's been a real passivity and a real disinterest and even a disconnect that has attacked and attached itself to to many people. And I think we need to have a breakthrough in the spirit realm to overcome passivity, lukewarmness, lethargic attitudes towards God and church. If you have become lethargic, if you have become passive, if you've become lukewarm, you're the first one to know. You know very well whether you've gotten into that situation or not. You know whether you have become kind of passive in your attitude towards things. Has, has the problems of this world just worn you down? You know whether you're worn down. You know whether you've become passive, whether you're lethargic. Can I shake you out of that this morning? I just want to shake you out of it because there's a better way. There's an exciting way to live life, and that is to be excited about the things of God. God is an exciting God. I tell you, I am having so much fun right now witnessing. I've got, I've got an alcoholic I'm witnessing to right now. I've got a, a guy who's got all kinds of issues in his family that I'm dealing with right now. I've got another guy who doesn't have a job, and... It's just so fun ministering to these guys and seeing them begin to rise up and have some hope and begin to see that there is a God who loves them and cares about them and begin to see them change. Just the countenance on their faces has changed in the last three weeks. And to to see what is happening in them, it just brings me alive. Step out and begin to Let people know about the love of God and how He can make a difference in their life. It will make a difference in your life. And I'm asking you this morning, get a passion and a zeal and an excitement for the things of God. Hallelujah. Amen, Ron. That's good stuff. 
I, I really do. I, I want to say, wake up, church. Wake up, church. That's not for all of you. Some of you are wide awake. Some of you are doing the work. But there's a lot of you, too. I need to say, wake up. There's some things to be done. Come out of your slumber. Have a fervor and a zeal. There needs to be an army of God. Can these dry bones live? There needs to be an army that rises up and who proclaims God the Father, who proclaims Jesus Christ upon this earth. This world is dying and going to hell. You're needed in the army. You're needed. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10.25 to forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. You know, I think some people got out of the habit during the coronavirus. Some people started watching online. And, and some people have not come back. There have just been some who have not come back. And you know the problem with, with we're, we're streaming today, but you know the problem with some of that is it makes it too easy for the person who's at home to put the pasture on pause. Uh-huh. That's a problem. That's a problem. Some of you may be wanting to put the, put the pasture on pause right sitting here. <laughs> but I'm telling you, for you to have the luxury to put the pasture on pause and to go to the refrigerator or go back to bed is not a good thing. Come out of our slumber. Let's, let's come out of our lethargicness and let's be vitally important. We need to be, this, this church, the church, needs to be relevant today. We need to be the people who are speaking to our communities and who are showing fruit so that they will listen. Maybe many times they, they don't care to listen any longer because there hasn't been that fruit there. Let's begin to be fruit bearers. Hallelujah. The word church is shown 73 times in the New King James Version. It's all in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was the synagogue. In the New Testament, we begin to see about church 73 times. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. A group of like-minded legislators. Think about that. We are a group. We are an ecclesia, a group of like-minded legislators. That means that the focus of the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is to, to supply guidance for the people to restore the culture of heaven upon the earth. You know the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. Not just in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are supposed to be bringing the culture of heaven to earth. And you and I are ecclesia. We are supposed to be the ones who are making legislature. We're the ones who should be setting the ground rules instead of Washington, D.C. You and I, the, the church, we need to be the ones who are saying, now this is the way we're supposed to go, not that way. 
And I could pick out a whole bunch of topics that they're telling us that we need to go that way. And we need to be standing up and saying, no, that's not what God says. We're going this way. And we begin to show the world a way of life, a way that is good, a way that is successful. Hallelujah. And now all of that is done by establishing a biblical worldview. We have got to be people who have a biblical worldview. And we are followers of that worldview. And not only do we just express it, but we practice it. We practice a biblical worldview. You know, that's hard whenever somebody's speaking against you, whenever they're shouting you down, whenever they're having riots, whenever they're fighting against you. That's hard to stand up for what's right. That's hard to stand up for that biblical worldview, but that's what we must do because it is a battle. So let's begin to look at some scripture here this morning that pertain to the church. We start out with Matthew 16. And verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I've read this verse to you many, many times, and I've explained it uh, on most every occasion, but we do have some newer folks here, so just for your sake, let me explain what's going on here. The disciples are, are at Caesarea Philippi. In 2013, all of you blessed Jackie and I tremendously and, and sent us to... Uh, to uh, the Holy, no, 2011, uh, to the Promised Land, and we were at Caesarea Philippi. At Caesarea Philippi is where they uh, worship thousands of gods. Uh, There's a mountain ledge there, and it's where the Jordan River begins to come out from underneath that mountain, and the Jordan River goes out and, and forms itself. And so many people felt like that that, because of that water coming out of that mountain, it was a place of of the gods. And so there's all kinds of gods. There's monuments sitting everywhere in this place. And so Jesus, he goes to this place where there's all these gods around, and he says, who do people say that, that I am? Isn't that interesting? He wants them to, to face, because even some of his disciples had been into other gods at times. So he's asking each and every one of us. I think we all have to ask ourselves, who do you say that Jesus is? Is he just something that's handy to tack on to your everyday life, or is he really a vitally important part of who you are? So he says, they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. And whenever he said the Christ, that means the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church, the church, the called out assembly and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be the assembly that comes together and the gates of hell will not prevail. You're having problems in your family. It will not prevail. Are you convinced of that? I'm having problems in my marriage. That will not prevail. Why? Because the word of God says so. But we have to believe it. We have to stand on it. We have to profess it, confess it. We have to live it. 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He says, I'm going to build my church upon what's the revelation that you just had, Peter. What's that revelation? That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That he is the sent one. He is the Savior of the world. And I'm challenging us this morning. Let's be the church who stands on Jesus Christ as the solid rock, who he is the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. And he's coming back again one of these days. And I'm going to meet him in the air along with all of you. Isn't that good? But we have to believe it. And we have to live like we believe it. Praise the Lord. The city gates. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against. The city gates is where the leaders made decisions. They gathered at the city gates and they made decisions. The devil has gates and he has, he's trying to make decisions, but they will not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. It's the church's responsibility to be running this world. And the church of America needs to rise up and run America. Hallelujah. And not only should it be running America, it needs to be running your household and it needs to be running you individually. Amen. And once again, I'm challenging you this morning. Let's wake up. Let's be who he's called us to be. Do you know what an embassy is? There's an embassy many times. The United States has an embassy. Well, they did have one in Iran that's been shut down. There was one in Afghanistan that's been shut down. But an embassy is a, an entity. It's a representation of another country. So whenever the United States, we, we do have an, an embassy in Russia. So let's just use that one for an example. Our embassy in Russia is a compound. It's a several acres, and it's all fenced in. And if you are a U.S. citizen and you are in Russia and you get in some kind of trouble, you better get to the embassy. Because once you get within the gates of the embassy, you are safe. Russia cannot touch you. The embassy of the United States does not follow the rules of Russia, even though the embassy is in Russia. The embassy follows the rules of the United States. Am I, are you with me? There have been leaders, there have been delegates, there have been legislatures who oversee that embassy. That embassy has been put into a foreign country. It's a perfect example of the church of Jesus Christ. We are an embassy who have been put in a foreign land because you realize this is not our home. Earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. But we are an embassy representing Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. We are an embassy placed here. And as long as you are within the gates of that embassy, you're safe. People get into problems whenever they begin to stick one foot out. When they begin to straddle the fence. I wish you were either hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, if you're on the fence, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. Amen? Let's get hot. And let's stay within the embassy and let's follow the rules of the embassy, which are in the Bible. They're plain and simple. People try to make them complicated. They're not. And 
worldview should be running government, not government running worldview. You and I need to be living within the compound of that embassy of heaven that has been placed in this foreign land. So let's begin to rise up and come within the, the, the great gates of our embassy and live like we never have lived before. Living in power, living in strength, living in joy, living in peace. Hallelujah. Many times the problems we have in the church are simply because we are no longer following the rules of our embassy. We are following the rules of the world. And we need to be following the rules of our homeland. Hallelujah. When we waver, it's plain and simple in Scripture. When we don't stick to our homeland security guidebook, the Bible, we're tremendously weakened. And at best, a totally, we've become totally irre irrelevant. Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? He's talking about judgment. There's a, a day of judgment that is coming. Now, you do, you do know that if you are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you will not be judged for your sin. You know that. Let me just clarify this. Yeah, there's a day of judgment coming. But it's for those, the day of judgment of sin is for those who have not received Christ as Savior. What are we going to be judged on? We're going to be judged on our works, is what the Bible tells us. We'll be judged by what we've done what we haven't done, by our works. We're not saved by our works, but we work because we're saved. The first part of this says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I'm really not mad at you this morning. I'm really not. I love you all. But I just really feel like the Lord says, man, we just got to do some stirring. We got to do some stirring. And I want you to go home and I want you to stir yourself up too. I'm stirring you here this morning. Go home and begin to stir yourself. And you just, you just have to, you may just have to say to yourself, come on. Come on, Ron. Stir yourself up. Get excited about this thing. There's nothing in this world that is more worthy of being excited about than the things of God. There is nothing. I don't care whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's nothing any more exciting than to be in, on fire for God and then have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. To have a wonderful wife. To have a wonderful wife, and, but to first be so in love with Jesus Christ makes life so wonderful. So I'm just stirring you up this morning. Hallelujah. Acts 2, so continually, uh, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We're not seeing that much today. I really don't believe we're seeing. In fact, 
instead of seeing people saved and added to the church daily, we're seeing what the Bible also says will take place in the last days. We're seeing a great falling away. I think we can put a plug in that. I think we can stop that. But man, we've got to be everything God's called us to be. We've got to be doing everything he's, he's called us to do. And I think we can put a plug in seeing people falling away, and we can begin to see people added to the church daily. Hallelujah. Acts 11. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Man, I count it an honor to be called a Christian. Christian has the name Christ in it. I belong to Christ. Hallelujah. Acts 12, verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Are we praying for people? Are we reaching out? And do we care? That, that list I gave you this morning, I know some of you have taken food. I know some of you have offered your prayers to them. But every single person in this, in this congregation needs to be concerned and caring about everybody else because we're all jointly fit together. And we need each other. I need you. And whether you believe it or not, you need me. We are dependent upon each other. We are fit together. And man, when the body comes together, we are powerful. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to save some of this for next week. We have a video here for fathers. We're going to end with that. But I... Did anybody realize this morning that I'm challenging you to, to do better, to wake up, get with it? Let, let's serve him with fervor. I hope maybe somebody got something out of that this morning.